And welcome back to Bar Down Breakdown. I'm your host, Mikey Ryan, live from the Hive, joined by my boy, Tommy V, from the land of Disney. Tommy, what is good? Uh, you know, just uh, just doing doing the life thing. Wish we would have got that. We we tried to work out going live and doing this whole thing live on Instagram, but we got some kinks to work out. But uh, that's yeah, if okay. You, if you're a master of Instagram Live, uh, send some recommendations to us because basically <laughs> what was happening is we were getting all this like feedback from our phones back into the recording, and just we don't want our recording to sound like junk. So yeah, true. Couldn't do that. We'll, fi- we'll figure it out. I'm sure we'll figure out a way to do it. Uh, but uh, you know, just uh, doing some stuff. My uh, we have a like a small fig tree on our, um, on our little like balcony, I guess you'd call it. Um, and Amanda and I were just out there like trying to like get our outside like area. It's just literally like a veranda, I guess you'd call it. I don't know what you'd want to call it, but it's like just an area for us to like sit. We got a little fig tree and, uh, we, uh, we got some lights up and stuff, but we're trying to like, um, I was trying to set up this like, cool um uh wind chime that's what i'm trying to tell you it's a wind chime that we bought uh and uh we'd like zip tied it up and i'm terrified that it's gonna like fall down and everything's gonna break and it's gonna ruin our fig tree and you know just things that you you worry about uh to death when you're experiencing a pandemic yeah, I was really hoping you were going to say that you started to make your own fig Newtons from scratch because I know a few episodes you were just scarfing those bad boys down. So I, I, thought... I love me some fig Newtons. I like figs a lot in general, man. Like, um, like, uh, like I've had like a um a burger before with like like fig and onion jam that was really good, and like uh, fig preserves I really like and all that kind of stuff. So just figs are just and even like just raw figs, just regular figs are really good. I don't know if you're a fig fan. They're pretty good, though. I've had a fig Newton, but I've never had an just you an know, actual a fig, fresh fig. No, they're good. They're good. My um, my father-in-law has a tree back on Long Island that always um, like is very fruitful. And uh, I, I think it was last year or the other year he gave me like a bunch, and they were really really good. But they're they're like super sweet. They're like a very sweet fruit, but they're versatile. Like you could do a lot of like um like uh like sweet and salty combos with them like um like different cheeses go really good with figs and like uh soft cheeses like like goat cheese and that kind of stuff goes really good with fig but but, you know i'm just thinking about figs now this episode is now just the fig episode i feel like we've definitely on the intros and outros just totally shifted our focus to food the last couple of weeks (laughs) and that's probably just because i just keep eating everything yeah i mean i think that's what everybody's doing right now I got to rein it back. Otherwise, my work pants aren't going to fit anymore when I go back to school. <laughs> I mean, like, you could just wear, like, you just, just, like, wear shorts. Just be like, nobody cares, man. I'm just wearing these shorts to work now. I know. If I, if I was only a PE teacher. Yeah, right? Then you could just wear sweatpants, joggers, and, like, a whistle. Man, PE teachers are definitely the smartest teachers in the building. Absolutely, for sure, hundred percent. And we're all just and- suckers, because <laughs> they just get to rock the most comfortable attire all the time, and 
just go outside when it's nice out and just all the perks. Now, do you have to wear like, do you have to wear like a tie? No, I wear a Hawaiian shirt every day, Tom. <laughs> do you really? Hell yeah. Just wear a Hawaiian shirt to work? I feel like it's it's formal and casual. It's like a, a what was that from uh, Ricky Bobby? Like with the mullet? Party. Oh, the, I for, Action party, in the yeah. front, party in the back or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Business up front, party in the back. Yeah. There yeah. you go. I like that, man. It's, um, I'm all about that. I didn't realize that you just... How many Hawaiian shirts do you own? Probably 30. 30 Hawaiian shirts? Yeah. Where do you get them all from? I've gotten them from thrift stores, hand-me-downs, uh, <laughs> Old Navy, you name it, Target. So, like, are, do they call you, like, the Hawaiian shirt guy? I, I've gotten that. You've gotten that name? They they had they did have a at my old school a Hawaiian shirt day f- dedicated to me for my birthday. Wow, incredible! And just everyone just wore Hawaiian shirts. Yep, incredible. I love that. I, <clears throat> I love that. And what I also love is uh, the interview uh, we're about to have. Um, uh, the crazy thing about this interview is like uh, when you think about this band, like realistically, like they were one of the probably first clump of like 10 pop punk bands to like kind of come out in the early 2000s that really shaped the genre and made it much more uh sellable uh made it much more important uh we've got chuck uh the drummer from simple plan i mean like how cool is that simple plan you know um you know a lot of our uh, you know the, the bands that we love today probably wouldn't you know, be around if it wasn't for bands like Simple Plan and Good Charlotte and Fall Out Boy and Panic at the Disco and like all of those bands that are kind of in that uh, that early 2000s vein. Um, and Simple Plan, uh, believe it or not, they've been they've been out there kicking it, man. They've put out a uh, a bunch of records since their 2002 uh, opus. You know, um, No Helmets, No Pads, Just Balls, which had all the songs that you've heard on it. Addicted, Perfect. I mean, all those crazy songs that. Got so much airplay back in the you know TRL and MTV2 days, so we're super psyched to have Chuck on. We're going to chat with him about um, what's been going on in the Simple Plan world, uh, the collaboration they did with um, uh, with with State Champs and I think We the Kings. A yep. um, couple of other cool things, you know. We'll talk to them about uh, obviously them playing the Winter Classic in 2016 and how that was and. Uh, um, really cool. And, uh, you know, also, uh, we'll, we'll chat a little bit with them about the simple plan foundation that they started back in 2005. That's been helping people, uh, to, you know, to great acclaim. So we've got a lot to talk about. We're super excited. Uh, anything you got to add, Mikey? You know, I, I recently saw simple plan for the first time. They played main stage at warp tour and, okay. you know, you could just tell that they still love to do this. And it was one of my favorite performances of the day you know i i I sat and watched all the main stage bands that day and Mm -hmm. simple plan just stood out as like a band that you could tell still just enjoys playing you know to to their fans and it was just so much fun so much fun and like at one point chuck got out from behind the kit and like came up front to like where uh pierre stands and and did that whole thing like kind of like where the fr- like the front man's point of view okay and it was it was cool for him to do that and he he just sweet like it was just so much fun it really was 
Absolutely. And Chuck, I mean, and, and from one drummer to another, Chuck is a super, super tight drummer. Um, you know, listening to their, their last record and just listening to his nuances and, uh, in his pocket and how, how he plays. It's, it really is super awesome. So, uh, super exciting to, to get to chat with him. Uh, so we, uh, we, we hope you guys sit back, relax, enjoy our interview with Chuck from Simple Plan. Our boy Chuck of Simple Plan. Yep, you heard that right. Simple Plan. Chuck, man, what's going on, dude? Hey, guys, how are you? Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So I, I, I know, you know, the, the state of things are a little crazy right now. And, you know, having no hockey is, you know, driving Tom and I crazy. But it's great to still be able to talk hockey with, you know, our, our uh, guests and you know, being a good old Canadian boy, we, we had to reach out to you because, you know, hockey in Canada go arm in arm. Yeah, of course, man. We're, uh, you know, it's uh, that's my sport. That's what I grew up playing and loving. And, uh, you know, I'm still a huge, huge fan of the league and of the sport in general and follow it, you know, a lot as much as I can when I'm on tour and uh, now have a little boy. So obviously I'm trying to pass that to him as well. And it's working. Uh, amazing so far he's like obsessed with hockey so uh yeah but you you live in la now so are you raising your boy a montreal canadians fan or are you raising an la kings fan see that's that's a good question i'm trying to be very uh agnostic when it comes to team um team uh affiliation so i try to make him love the sport first and foremost the athletes and every single team in the league. So, you know, it, it, the budget on uh, hockey hockey jerseys has kind of exploded <laughs> uh, when <laughs> that started to happen, where the, he has, um, we built him a, a, like a locker room in his playroom. And oh, so far awesome. we have, yeah, we have like his gear and we have like, I would say we're probably like 35%, 40% of the league right now in jerseys. So, you know, we're getting there. But obviously... He we go to a lot of Kings games, so that's he's got to high five all the players. Like then when they awesome. come out, they have a like a little section where they they can high five, and we you know he loves Quick and Copitar and you know 
Dowdy and all these guys. And uh, being from Montreal, it's interesting. Like that was my childhood team, uh, you know, the Montreal Canadian. So obviously I want him to feel that connection. So we go back to Montreal a lot, especially around Christmas time. And there's always like this tradition. I mean, he's four and a half, so it's just started like maybe the last two years, but mm-hmm. we go to the bell center, we go see live games. We take him there and he loves the Canadian as well. So he's very, uh, he goes back and forth. Like every night we, we play in my house. We have this little place where <clears throat> we, we have games and uh, he'll wear like a different jersey. Like it's always a surprise, you know, sometimes it's the Maple <laughs> Leafs, sometimes it's the Golden Knights, sometimes it's the Capitals, like it's Ovi, you know, the Rangers. Yeah, it's, so trying to be very like just making him love the sport, you know, because they're too young to really be like invested in one team, in my opinion, because if, you know, like you don't want them to be bummed out that they don't make the playoffs or if they or, you know, if they're not doing well, just want them to love the sport, you know? Of course, yeah, because that understanding is kind of hard, you know, for, for a four or five year old child who, you know, like has, you know, who, who who loves the sport and loves the action, but doesn't like quite have the have the knowledge to grasp like the whole aspect of you know competition and why, you know, some team won't win versus why a team would win. Um, you know, it's kind of like um, uh, it's like just that kind of hitting that that hump, essentially, where like another That's... two years and, and they're going to hit it on the head and be like, oh, OK, so, you know, uh, this is why the Kings didn't win. And this is, you know, and so I totally get that. And I think that's an that's an awesome way. Well, to, that's exactly to it. it. Yeah. It's basically like you don't want them to be crushed if exactly, their team yeah. don't that don't make the playoff or if they yeah. lose a game or if they go to a game and their favorite team doesn't win. You know, just wanted to be happy that he was part of the sport. And, you know, and it's funny. It's been really good because I've used hockey to teach him numbers and math, like, okay, who's sure. winning, who has more goals, what's the score. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's been really fun to kind of try to integrate the sport and all these other things that he's learning as well. So it's been fun. Now Dude, you, I, don't, I think don't, don't you might inter- be the ultimate, ultimate hockey dad, ultimate hockey dad. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> that's, that's the we term shall I'm see. giving you now. The ultimate hockey dad. We shall dad. see. <laughs> we're working on the one-timers. We're working on his backhand passes and everything. So yeah, where it's you know it's uh it's actually pretty. It's so rad because I mean I'm sorry I I don't want to be all the like the parental you know show here. You, you like your oh, audience listen, might man. be like yo shut up with your no kids. not at all but not at all man please gush <laughs> keep gushing. But it's really dope. It's really dope to have him like to see how he understands. Like now he's like he's doing like these like we're we're doing this little combination where it's like we're two on one and he's passing and he, he's taking shots and or he's passing and he's choosing what to do it's really cool to see that evolution from seeing the games and it's really crazy like since he was two and a half we go to games and he's able to watch like for a, a full game like full period never bored never distracted completely on the puck on the game seeing what's happening and you'll be like oh see like the ref fell down in the corner. I'm like, where? What? <laughs> like he's seeing stuff that it's funny how they look at the game. You know what I mean? Absolutely. They see yeah, stuff sure. like anyways. Yeah. So it's cool. It's been really fun. Now, just don't introduce him to the New York Islanders because that would just lead to a lifelong <laughs> misery like Tom and I over here. <laughs> oh, you guys are the Isles fan, right? Long yeah, Island, right? That's right. Unfortunately. <laughs> well i mean you know you had a good run in the 80s <laughs> yeah we weren't born yet <laughs> and well right right and, and and now you're getting a new and a whole new um complex a whole new um uh ring so that's gonna be dope yeah that- yeah i think um what what i was gonna say really i, th- I think with, with all that is um you know 
the tough thing for the Islanders for, for a long time was that like, there was like this nebulous idea of like, well, where's our home going to be? Where are we going to play? You know, and now that Belmont has finally got the green light and it's getting built, um, you know, I think that's going to help the Islanders make some, some moves in terms of being able to actually get, um, you know, big names to want to play with them. I mean, you know, th- them, them picking up, uh, you know, uh, you know, JGP was, was, I think a big step in the right direction because, you know, not only did we, you know, we, we were able to obtain him and then he wanted to sign with us, which is like something that like never happens for the Islanders. Everyone's like, yeah, I'll play with you for, you know, 20 games. And then I, you know, I gotta get right, out of here. Right. But um, well, they got so Lou now. Right. So it's, it's, <laughs> they're going to be serious. Exactly. They're going to be contenders. Yeah. And, and they were having, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but they were having a pretty solid season this year. Right. They started out like crazy. They had like this crazy run that, that of games, like, like, Tons of wins in a row, right? Uh, and the, yep. this crazy streak. Uh, where were they when the, this whole thing stopped? They were in the playoffs, right? Or right in the hunt? So they were they were technically like out of that last wild eight. card, but they also yeah, had right. just out of the eight seed. But they had games at hand, so like got it. They they technically could hop back right into that playoff spot if they win the next couple of games. Gotcha. Well, it's gonna be really interesting to see what format if. You know, if the season starts again or if they go straight to playoffs, how they're going to do that. It's going to be pretty. uh, I mean, not that it's the most important thing in the world, but (laughs) as hockey fans, we're still kind of uh, I'm still curious to see how they handle that. Well, you know, it's funny because we just did, uh, uh, you know, the the last interview that we did uh, was with, um, you know, our our buddy Jake from the band August Burns Red. (laughs) And he, he said something that was so poignant to me. He was like, you know, when hockey comes back. Uh, it's going to it's going to like let my heart know that like that things are good again, you know, that things are getting back to normal. And he said he really couldn't wait for that. So I think that is um, is an ethos that's kind of really, really important. It's just that, you know, when the things that you love start to come back and, and can be done safely, uh, you know, things like, you know, professional sports and gathering and going to games and stuff. I think that's going to be a, a monumental and thing. Concerts. Because, I mean, yeah, concerts <laughs> you know? too. I mean, gosh, you know, forget about it. But it's just like. Well, it's 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 really interesting. That's like for me when I, I mean, there was this kind of weird ramp up. And I remember it was a Wednesday night when they had, when they started to, when I, the first thing I, I, I heard was the, the, in the morning, the German chancellor said like probably 60 to 70% of our population is going to get this. And then you're like, okay, wow, this is this is not this is not what people have been yeah. talking about, you know, and that's not what what's and 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 then that night when there was the um, there was the Trump address on TV, which mm-hmm. was like, okay, they had the travel ban from Europe, yep. and you're like, okay, and then the NBA, the NHL, and the MLS, if I remember correctly, all canceled or all paused yep. their season, and yep. that's kind of where to, I mean, not that it wasn't serious a few hours before. But that's kind of when you realize just how monumental this is as a sports fan. Like that this has never happened. There's been strikes, there's been lockouts, but that the three or three of the biggest pro league in North America decide on the same evening or on the same like within the same 24 hour time frame that they were going to suspend a a season. I mean, that's just unprecedented. I mean, it was just like the, the amount of money just being, you know, like just erased in a matter yeah, of exactly. 24 hours it's mm-hmm. just like i mean and now it's way worse like the olympic games and all these things and yeah. and all on, on on the sports level it's catastrophic but mm-hmm. on every level but that's kind of like the moment where you 
I think where it really sort of sunk in for everyone, especially sports fans, like, okay, this is no, this is no joke. This is like, exactly. if they're doing that, it's because this is absolutely incredibly serious, you know? Of, of course. And it's, and it's just one of those things where you, uh, you just get to see like the enormity of it all as every day, like something else happens that just kind of uh, just stacks on, on, on top of one another. And it's just like, you know, if as you watch, you know, just, you know, America, you know, the U.S. as an example, as you watch how, uh, you know, the, the, the COVID cases just keep piling on top. And I mean, it's just like you get a little disenfranchised because you, you kind of feel like, oh, my gosh, is there really no end in sight? But, you know, at the same time, you just looking, you know, for the bright spots and the hope in it all. And just knowing that, you know, if every American does what they have to do then this will start to go away. So, you know, that's just what we all got to kind of put our, our heads together and, and understand. Stay home. That's right. Exactly. That's, it's not, you know, it's a lot easier than being a doctor in the hospital or being like a, like a FedEx truck driver or being For sure. the clerk at, at, uh, at the corner store who still has to, to be out there. All we have to do is stay mm -hmm. home. So oh, come on, absolutely. I think we can all do that. I, I agree with that. For sure. So Chuck, you are like moving away from the coronavirus, um, definitely a shining example of this crossover because you really have been able to mix in your love of hockey and your your band Simple Plan by playing the Winter Classic. So like, walk us through how the NHL approached you guys and like, were you kind of hoping that like you could have saved yourself to play like the Montreal Canadiens when they get their Winter Classic or... You? <laughs> I don't know if they ever will. We don't have like we don't have the right place in Montreal to do it. That's what I think. That's the only reason why we didn't have it so far. But yeah, man, it was actually it goes back a bit further than that. In 2008, when they had the Montreal All Star Game, so we played. We were the band that played in the like at the, the half, not the halftime, but the uh, intermission show, whatever you want to call oh, it. Awesome. So so we cool. yeah, so we played that. So that was really amazing. The to be a part of the all-star game, uh, to be performing in our hometown in Bell Center where we've played many shows before and everything. So that was sick. So they knew us from then. And we've done like, we did like uh, a few things on, on CBC back in the day when they, we actually did the theme song, you know, the, um, the, the hockey night in Canada. So we played that, uh, we <laughs> played a cover of that, uh, like awesome. our own version that they would play before every game. Uh, like a pop punk kind of version of that song, which is amazing, which is my childhood, you know, all in about one minute. <laughs> it yeah, pretty yeah, much sums sure. up everything, you know, watching that broadcast and everything. So we did that. And that's what there was. A, there was already a long sort of uh, long, long standing relationship with with the NHL. And then when they asked us to do the, the Winter Classic, it was like, man, you know, it's tough because, you know, I'm the biggest hockey fan in the band by far. I mean, people in the band like hockey, but I'm the sort of the driving force to want to do things mm -hmm. with the NHL and with hockey. So when that came up, it's like New Year's Eve doesn't is not happening. New Year's Day, you're away, you're you're away from your family. So I was like, come on guys, we need to just do it for me, <laughs> please. And then we're like, hell yeah. And and uh we got to play the like the anthem and then we got to do uh, a few songs between the second and third. And it was amazing just to be there, to be a part of it. I've seen it on TV so many times, but to be to see how big it is and how great of, 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 of an event it was. It was uh, really cool. I was a bit scared to play in Boston, you know, and the night before they're like, you know, they're like, what do you want to wear to do this? And, 
you know, there was a, for a few seconds, the thought of like, well, maybe we should wear Montreal jerseys. And the NHL was like, mm, I think you should stay neutral. <laughs> and we're like, yeah, yeah, you know what? You're probably right. Yeah, Let's go yeah. with neutral. Yeah. The, I mean, Boston, just New England in general is just a, a very, very um, tough, tough place to, to, to go into if you're from, from the rival team or any right. sort of away team. It's, it's, it's a rough shot, but I would have, I mean, I would have commended you for it, but I mean, the Habs to, to, to care of the Bruins that night. So, I mean, that's that right. We won. Cool yeah. For you to see that. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. We got to go like, you know, uh, sort of back, back, stage like around the, uh, the locker room and got to say hi to a few of the players so it was uh cool. yeah it, it was quite a special day and uh it was fun we got you know we're all we're always very privileged to have the chance to do these kind of things and 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 the band has brought so many amazing uh like crazy special uh things that i would have never done yeah. if i wasn't in the band you know we got sure. to, got to become friends with tons of players and got to do you know got to play in lots of the sort of like uh like like all those um pro-am things so i got to i play one of one of those every year in in quebec city that uh sure. simon Gagnier and and patrice bergeron put together um so get to skate with some of the best players that are still playing in the league and that's when you know there's a really big difference between like hey i'm a decent player and like NHL guys, it's uh, it's pretty crazy, but like Brad Marchand and you know Fleury was there mm-hmm. last year. It's pretty incredible to have the chance to j- just hang out and get dressed in the locker room. With these guys and you know chat and it's funny because I always feel like every NHL player wants to be in a band and every band guy wants to be in in, in you know a pro athlete or a hockey <laughs> player. So it's there's always a lot of common ground and right away you can kind of become friends very quickly and um, yeah, it's been fun. They awesome. all become groupies of each other, you know. Yeah, right. I, it's funny. I, I've I've uh, I've even like kind of said something like that before on uh, on a, on an episode or two before, where it's just like, you know, I think of like my connection to music and how how much I love music and how much I love hockey, and it's just like I would, you know, like getting the opportunity to do this podcast and like talking to people that are in these bands that have like helped shape my life from when I was younger. Uh, I kind of feel like you know, as huge hockey fans, like you know, the people that like I would you know, be tongue tied to meet. They're the same people that, you know, getting to meet these pro hockey players are, are then themselves tongue tied when they meet. So it's just like kind of a, a cool bridge to, to see that. Um, I, I, but I do have a question for you regarding, um, so, uh, obviously you guys have been, uh, playing music for, for so long. I mean, you know, probably 20 plus years at this point. And, uh, so I know you guys were part of the last, uh, two warp tours that they did in 2018 and 2019, but I yeah. know you guys had played, um, like the some of the first warp tours, I think pretty much from like '99 to '05, I think you guys played almost every year, right? Yeah, we did. Yeah, that was our yeah. first one in '99. We were like before we were assigned, we were completely unknown, and it was our <laughs> first experience. Yeah. So I guess the question I have is like for those who aren't familiar with with how warp tours changed over time, like can you describe the differences between like let's say when you played in like 03 and 04 versus 2018 and 2019, like how the tour was different, how the like ethos around it was different. Like how, how was, how has it changed? Uh, I mean, it's changed in, well, I mean, it's, it's weird to talk as it's still ongoing. Cause I think we've, we've had, obviously you guys know we had the last, last one. And I mean, I'm sure yeah. it's going to come back in some shape or form, but um, it's, it's interesting. Like, when we first started out in 99, 2000, 2001, 2002, I mean, this was the peak of this kind of music in the mainstream, you know, being like 
truly like i mean it's still big and important and 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 it's it's still relevant but at the time it was pretty much the pinnacle it was at it was on par with every other type of music it was that it was on trl it was it was gigantic so doing that i think the biggest thing was how big the crowds were and how big of a deal it was to be on the warp tour it wasn't like it was uh, an extremely like like extremely coveted spot mm-hmm. to be able to be on that main stage it pretty much meant that you were going to be like your band meant a lot and it was going to propel you into like a whole higher level uh and what what was really interesting is that there was a whole generation of bands that had been doing warp tour since 96 not, i mean i think the first edition was 95 96 mm-hmm. so these bands were still were still around and then there was this whole new crop of bands like us some 41 good charlotte um mm-hmm. it, that, that were coming on and there was definitely a backlash from the more old school fans of harder like a harder style of punk rock like i would say i yeah. would describe it as the fat record like like epitaph sort yep, of exactly. uh era. pennywise and, and yellow yeah guys and well, no I mean, yeah like it was it was it was exactly that it was lag wagon strung out 10 yep, foot yep. pole like you know, even Rancid kind of fit into that. Like sure. they were, you know, and 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 then there was the new sort of generation with Blink kind of leading the way, and then yep. you know, and then you know, bands like us and Good Charlotte and all that. So there was definitely it was a lot more fragmented in terms of, um, and there was a lot more. There was a lot more. Um, I wouldn't say well, anger or there was there was this kind of like lots of hate lots of haters yeah. uh that didn't want bands like us to be there so the shows some of the shows happened to be kind of confrontational where sure. you had like maybe three quarters of the crowd like going crazy and crowd surfing and moshing and then you had like a quarter of people in the back like throwing you bottles and you know yeah. kind of booing you and everything so and even at signings, people would pass you by and being like you know there was crazy lines like we, we had to shut down the signing so many times but then you always had like three or four people that would come in and like, fuck you guys, you suck. You shouldn't be here. (laughs) And obviously, you know, that's always what you remember, right? That's what sticks with you because even though there's 2000 people who want to see you, there's one that doesn't like you. That's the one that sort of like sticks in your memory. So it was, it was a really interesting time. And I felt like uh, there was some really cool moments that happened that uh, made it so much better for us. Cause I think we, because we had a band before Simple Plan called Reset. That was a really fast sort of punk rock band, you know, that we, mm-hmm. we, we played with Pennywise. We played with Lagwagon, Strung Out. We came sure. from that scene. Those were like our core influences. So we had been around the scene and we understood what, you know, like we understood the whole philosophy behind, you know, how these bands operated, the whole DIY thing. And we knew that mm-hmm. our band was a bit different than that. But at the same time, we still had, the exact same mentality so we like we i i think we were very respectful of that generation because those were sure. our, our idols that's that's who we grew up being influenced by so i think we we've always acted very with a lot of respect and lots of deference with these people and i sure. think they could feel it and in 2003 i can still remember like that was probably one of the most that was the height of when we blew up and sold millions of record and and mm-hmm. we were on Warp Tour, and we were getting paid 500 bucks a day because Kevin Lyman had signed us, like, had, uh, had booked us, like, months ahead. 
So he, <laughs> he was onto something and then the band blew yeah. up and we came in and we were getting paid 500 bucks and we were bringing in like, I would say not everybody, but a lot of people like oh, we yeah. were one of the main, main headliners, but we never yeah. complained because we're like the moment you complain about that, like if you're not getting paid, whatever, that's the yeah, moment you're dead in that scene. Yeah. So we just did our thing for the whole summer. And, um, and, and I think we've, we've shown everyone just how respectful we were of, of the tour and of the scene and everything. And I remember to this day, like Lars and Tim Armstrong from Rancid and Matt Freeman from Rancid came on stage. And those two guys were wearing, uh, Matt and Lars wearing Simple Plan t-shirts in front of everybody. And when that happened, it yep. was kind of like, okay, you know what? Like everybody was talking shit. Everybody was saying anything. Look, you got two of the, I would say like the most credible, you know, Absolutely. like genuine punk rockers in the world going on stage and not just saying it backstage, but going on stage and wearing a shirt. <laughs> it was such a statement and just kind of made me realize that, you know what, we're going to be okay. You know, like yeah. we're all good. And, and we, we belong here. Right. And yeah. then from there on, we just kept playing and, and, and now when, and to contrast this with the last two years, it's interesting how the longer you stick around and the longer you stay relevant and you, and you just survive, the, the more people respect you. Cause now like nobody says anything about the band and we're like, now we're considered one of the core band of Warp Tour. You know, we're part of the family. Like we're part of every single Warp. Mm -hmm. Like Kevin always wants us to be involved in it. So yeah. it's almost like we, we've earned you know, we've earned like the right to be there. So I think that's the biggest things that's changed is the audience. Yeah. Now there's no more hate. There's no more fragmentation between old school and new school. I mm -hmm. think everybody's just there and is just stoked to enjoy the music. And it's just happy that bands in that scene are still around and mm -hmm. still do the tour, you know? So I, I would say that's the biggest difference for me. I'm sorry. That was a very long answer. No, I apologize. no, what? No, and that's totally fine because I mean, like it, it kind of provides a, a lot of insight, and and I, I I do appreciate that, and it's one of the things that like um, I uh, like I, I've thought about you know over time because you know you know growing up with this kind of music, you know like like literally like when I was you know uh, you know I'm in my mid thirties, you know fifteen and sixteen, you know coming up with um you know you guys and, and Blink One Eighty Two and like you know that that first Yellow Card record and. Uh, you know, the, the self-titled Newfound Glory record. And, you know, it's just like all of that stuff paved the way for all of these bands that I love today to be able to make this kind of music. Like when I, when you look at even like, um, you know, your, your collaboration with, uh, with, with state champs and we, the Kings, like realistically, and I mean, not to, you know, not to give you like a, you know, a blown up head or anything, but it's like, I can't imagine a world where a band like state champs or, or, or a band like real friends or even the wonder years, like, could exist in perpetuity without bands like you guys and good Charlotte. And, you know, obviously even going back a little further, you know, blink and green day and the offspring, but like paving the way. And I think that's kind of what, what, why this in today's, in today's like years and youth and stuff is why um, a lot of people can respect, uh, you know, a, a, ba a band like you guys who, like I said, have been doing it for so long. It's just because a lot of people realize now that like, well, my favorite favorite band wouldn't be doing it if it wasn't for these guys who really broke into the mainstream, uh, you know, to, to be able to give us this kind of music, which I think is super cool. But I, I, I actually have a, a follow up question. You kind of touched upon it a little bit, but just to expand it. So like when you look at like um, the, the body of work at 
of some of, of some of the bands have broken with you. Let's call it like your good Charlottes and your fallout boys, even like your panic of the disc are right. So, but a lot of them have like really changed their sound like very drastically. Uh, whereas simple plan, like when I listen to like the, the, you know, the last record you guys put out, like it still is a really straightforward, like pop punk record. Like it has these little, you know, a, a song here and there that kind of break the mold. But um, I think that there's like such um, like brevity in the fact that like you guys have stayed true to the kind of music that puts you on so long ago. So like, was it a conscious choice to really like try to stay in that lane? Uh, like, you know, in your songwriting and how you've been creating over the years? Uh, you know, I mean, well, first of all, thanks for all the nice words. You of know, course. we really appreciate <laughs> that. It means a lot to hear that. And uh, we don't take it for granted. And it's it's always cool to to hear people say that. And, and obviously being on tour with State Champs and hearing it from them and hearing it from yeah. a lot of the younger up and coming bands that, you know, that we were, mm -hmm. we had an influence on them and that we were part of, you know, their musical sort of uh, upbringing and all that is always. Sure extremely rad because i had these conversations with you know blink and with green day and with, with offspring and you know and and the band sure, of course were influential to us so it's always cool to mm -hmm. you know it makes you realize that you're getting a little older but that's okay um <laughs> but yeah i mean to answer your question i think that that's what we love that's what we grew up on since we're teenagers and um and it's always going to be in our hearts and it's always going to be the d in our dna and that's what kind of defines us as as musician is that's what we we always go back to that's what we 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 truly love and we still listen to these older bands and we still uh so it's 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 part of us i think also uh with 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 hold on one second sorry hey you're good an okay sorry sorry my son just walked in uh he but, wants to rip you know, some slappers uh, with dad exactly <laughs> he wants to, yeah exactly you got that right uh so I was just going to say, like, it's kind of like it just makes you um, want to keep going because that's what that's what feels right. And also with every band. Right. Like our, our third album, we kind of tried to, to experiment and do different things and kind of like push the envelope a little bit. And, you know, it was a really good record and I'm proud of it. But we definitely got the feeling from the fan base that, you know what, guys, like we love it when you play up tempo, you know, catchy, like funny, uh, not funny, but. Uh, fun, yeah, and, and 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 emotional music, and that's what we truly love. And you kind of go like after the third album, we toured and and we kind of sat back and it's like, what should we do next? And it kind of made us just want to let's get back to being who we are because every band has that record where they kind of like they contemplate being something else and they contemplate, you know, like oh man, it would be so cool if we were like more credible or or if we were considered like cooler if the critics love the band more and blah 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 and then you yeah. kind of realize like you know what like fuck that let's just be who yeah. we are and that's what we did after the third album and the fourth record is it's one of my favorite we ever written because we just went back to quintessential simple plan to the mm -hmm. core of who we are and we still i mean we, we're still taking a risk like there was a song on there called called summer paradise that was like a reggae slash like jason morass kind of song mm -hmm. and it ended up being one of the biggest songs we ever had. It was number one in Europe and it was huge for us and Australia and everywhere in Canada and everything. And it was a less in the U S but everywhere around the world, it was a gigantic song. So I'm really grateful awesome. that we took, that we took some risk, but at the same time, we kind of reconnected with who we are and what is the core sound, what is like the fundamentals of simple plan. And ever since then we're following that path. Like we're going to try to take some risk and, 
we're going to have some fun to experiment. But at the core of it, we know what we love and we know what our fans love. And we don't have any issues giving it to them and, you know, doing it for ourselves as well. So it's kind of like it's the perfect balance of like we we can have some fun, take some risk. But at the, at, we know who we are and we're proud of it. We're not ashamed of it. We're actually we embrace it 100 percent, you know. So that's been that's been great. And this new record that we're making right now is probably, you know, obviously every band says that when they're making a new record. But <laughs> I truly feel like we're we're making like and um, like a perfect, simple plan album. You know what I sure. mean? Like exactly what what we stand for, what we represent, what our fans care about with the lyrics and what our what our fans expect when they're in the pit with us, like, you know, dancing sure. and. And, and having fun on the show, that's what we're going to give them. And and it's not something that we're doing necessarily for them. That's what we want to be doing. And it happens to coincide with what they want, which is great. You know? Absolutely. Now, you mentioned um, how you just are working on a new record. But um, not too long ago, you put out that collaboration with State Champs and We the Kings. Like, did that just come about because you guys are all on tour? Or was that something that you like we're talking about during, you know, the last Warp Tour. How did that come to be about? Yeah, it's kind of exactly what, what happened. We became friends with them when we did Warp Tour, the whole thing with them. And uh, we love the band. They're, they're like, they came out and, and did a bunch of uh, songs with us on stage. So, you know, we kind of broke the ice and, 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 and became good friends like that. And, um, and then we decided that that's kind of how the tour came about. And then when we had the tour... I was kind of like trying to find something special to do with it and not just like, you know, there's so many bands that do big runs together now, but what can make it different? What can be an event? What can be something that will never happen again? And just kind of thought like, hey, it'd be really cool to actually do a song together, like the way that Run DMC and and like Aerosmith did back in the day or Entrax yeah. and Public Enemy, you know, like, mm-hmm. the, and when they went on tour together, that moment when the bands came on stage and performed that new song that just dropped, that was like, that was the thing you had to be there. You know, it was never going to happen again. It was, it was like, that was the one, the one moment. So I think it made the tour way more special. And, um, and yeah, like it kind of, it was cool to bridge the gap between almost three generations of band in that same scene, you know, with We the Kings and us and, and State Champs. And the song is, is like, is, I don't know, it felt like it was a great, uh, like a, an awesome chemistry between the three bands. And, kind of like what we do best all the like the three of us have lots of energy and you know and and being at the shows and that's, that's where we belong that's what you know so that's what the song was about and i think uh i think it came out really great and our fans were were super stoked and it was rad to play it every night and yeah and those guys are really nice so it's kind of you know there was uh it, it kind of all worked out now how do you get to decide who plays drums on the song like you know evan danny <laughs> or yourself like it like how did you guys work that out well, if it was all about talent, I'm sure that they would have played because uh, <laughs> they're way better. But live, we we played it like uh, during like the last song of of the night, and we were we were the band closing. So um, I started out with the song, and then like at the bridge, Evan came out and 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 played the rest of the song. So it was kind of like it was cool to be able to split it up like that, you know, and and have him join us. That's awesome, and. Uh... On that tour, did you get to talk with Derek about his love of the Dallas Stars? Yeah, man, we have the craziest story. So that yeah, it was really fun that he was a you know a fan and he had all these like 
he you know had this vintage t-shirt from pittsburgh the penguin and all that but yeah i i found out he was a dallas star and then complete coincidence one of the best hockey story that i have so i'm a little bit of a food snob on tour like i like to go to a nice restaurant before i play so this one time in dallas i every time i play dallas i always go okay this is gonna be sound a little bit snobby but i always go to nobu in dallas because it's not too far from the venue that we play and it's great and i love sushi and bit of a snobby eater so i went there so i'm at the bar i'm by myself i'm reading my book because that's what i do before show like i go have my dinner i read a book and then i come back right before the show so i'm eating at the bar and i turn around and this guy walks in like tall guy with a backward hat and a, you know and i'm like oh. and i look at him he sits right next to me and i'm like holy shit that's jamie ben like are you serious like right <laughs> next to me so I, you know i'm trying to played cool and not say anything just eating and and then like right as i'm about to leave i'm like you know what why not just just say hi just say something so i turn around I was like hey i just want to say hi i'm sorry i'm from canada i'm a big hockey guy uh big fan obviously uh, of yours listen we're playing tonight um at the house of blues in about two hours uh if you want to come out we'd love to have you uh don't want to you know impose or anything but if you're into it we'd love to have you i'm a big hockey fan i'd be honored you know he's like oh man like his girlfriend is there and she's like, oh, my God, simple plan. Love you guys. Uh, love to go. So I'm like, OK, well, you're on the guest list. So we'll, you know, we'll see you later thinking that they're probably not going to show up. And then next thing I know, right before the show, Jamie Band shows up, brings his brother, Jordy Band, who was in town with the with the Canucks. And then he brings uh, I think it was uh, it was Roussel, who plays on Vancouver as well. He's French Canadian. <laughs> He's from France, actually. So all these hockey guys came out and they're watching our show. Then they come and hang out backstage. And then Derek walks in and he goes like, he goes to me, he's like, oh my God, is that the Dallas Stars? Is that Jamie Benn? I'm like, yeah, dude, for you, man. <laughs> so he was like freaking out, losing it, taking pictures and everything. So it was really cool. They hung out like all night with us and were super nice. And yeah, it was like, it's, it's all these things. Like it's so lucky to be in a band because you get to have all these little moments where you get to hang out with people you really admire and they're they have questions for you you have questions for them mm -hmm. and just the conversation just really flows and you know i've been really lucky that i've made a lot of good friends that you know i've i've played at the highest level and i get i always have to have these amazing conversations with them and like for me it's just a thrill to to have a chance to know what it's like you know the, like the real deal not just like the interview or whatever or like that sure you know so it's 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 really cool to have that you know i've been very fortunate to to have that those occasions and it's been really rad and i'm not trying to name drop i'm sorry but it was pretty cool no listen man we like i said we we, we i i love that i mean like i love these these hockey stories because it it like you know again when when you when you grow up like me when you when you really love music and you love all these bands like you start to like form like a little bit of like reverence for for these people like you know like still like in the back of my mind like i can't really believe that like i'm talking to like the drummer of symbol plan like it's just kind of like surreal to me but but when when you tell this story about like you know you meeting you know the the ben brothers and just being like floored it's just like it it it, it humanizes you because now all of a sudden i'm like well you know this guy that like i look up to he looks up to people too. So like, we're, we're all in the same chain. So I, you know, I, I can, I can kind of love that. And, and I, I love the name dropping, man, please. Like it, it doesn't bother us at all. Um, I do have a, a question that we ask everyone that comes on the pod. Um, if you can remember 
the first hockey jersey that you ever had. Do you remember what team oh, yeah, it was who was on the back? For sure. Easy. Yeah, easy. My favorite player when I was a kid was from the Montreal Canadiens, number 26, Mats Naslund. Uh, Swedish player. They called him the small Viking. Uh, he was, I mean, I was completely obsessed with him. Uh, everything I had, like I had pajamas, T-shirts, jerseys. And the, and the main reason was because I was very small when I was playing. So I was always the smallest kid in, in my class or the smallest kid on my team. And he was the smallest guy in, on the Montreal Canadian was very offensive scored mm -hmm. lots of goals went to the all-star games and I remember one time he went to the all-star game had four assists and people like very underestimated I think in my opinion but in Montreal not, he was a star um and uh yeah so that's for for sure he he was my I mean it was my favorite player of all time I got to meet him he was doing like a signing at a sports store when I was like seven or eight years old and he was like I think it was for like a skate sharpening machine <laughs> random okay. but he was there signing <laughs> stuff and i think i went back like eight times to get his autograph and at some point he was like okay i think i signed for you kid you know i was like <laughs> but I, I couldn't believe it that he was real you know i had like every magazine yeah. clipping every i would read that's how I, I i learned how to read is i would read the newspaper every day about him i was like maybe four or five and my parents told me like that's how i would i learned to read i would just read i wanted to read articles about him so i was absolutely obsessed with him and later on when i played stockholm uh i had a friend of mine that was involved in hockey in europe and he reached out to him and he was supposed to come to the show in stockholm to meet me and he couldn't because it was a gigantic snowstorm and he couldn't come out but he sent this jersey like it's it's sweden like uh swedish jersey from back in the day that he had signed to my name so one of my most prized possession hockey wise is that jersey you know uh it was it was incredible because it was i mean that was my that was my guy you know i mean that was my still today every time i play i wear number 26 for him and it's my lucky number so you know yeah man he had a huge influence awesome and i think he was uh a lot see a lot of people don't talk about it because so he was uh uh i think on the 80s uh the lake placid like swedish swedish olympic team which like it's so funny because they, they won the bronze that year, but like no one ever talks about them because it's always, you know, the miracle on ice and, you know, the sure, USA yeah, versus the Soviets. USA, but, right, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but that's super cool. Uh, but um, just one quick thing I, I do want to touch on. Uh, just, we, we've been chatting for about an hour. It's been awesome. But I definitely want to talk real quick uh, with you about the Simple Plan Foundation. Um, you know, I did a little bit of research about it. Um, I think as of like last year, you guys had made almost like two and a half million in donations to to different, uh, you know, charities and different, you know, organizations and events. I, I think that's such an awesome thing, um, you know, that you guys are helping, you know, underprivileged and struggling teens and all that kind of stuff. So uh, what kind of influenced the band to, to start that foundation? And, uh, you know, like, how did it how did it come about? And and, you know, what does it mean to you? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it all started around 2004 or five. So our second record had come out and, you know, we kind of, I mean, the album did really well and we were, we, we were doing our first big arena tour in Canada. We were playing like the, the, the ACC in Toronto, like the, the Air Canada Center, the Bell Center. We were playing all the hockey arenas, like awesome. all across the country. And obviously as a kid, that's kind of what you, you know, aspire to. And that's, that's the sure. dream. Right. And uh, I was having a, a conversation with my dad and my dad, who was, um, 
my, you know, I'm super, I'm very, very, very close with my parents and very close with my dad. And he's a very uh, smart person that I you know, always turn to when I need advice. And we were having a conversation and he just kind of said like, hey, you know, I think you guys should get involved and try to help because he was getting all the mail from Simple Plan, like the actual physical mail, like back in the day was huge. Like he was carrying because mm-hmm. he would get it at his office and they had a, we had a, we got a PO box and it was in his building. So every night or every week he would pick it up and it was bags and bags and bags that he would bring home and put in the basement. And he would, some nights he would start opening them and trying to like see what people were writing. And I think he was really sure. like profoundly shocked by how um, sad and heartbreaking and desperate lots of, 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 of the correspondence was. A lot of people were going through a really rough time and they were saying the music was the only thing that, that kept them holding on. And the, you know, the, it, you know, without this band, I wouldn't be around today and all these kind of things that were to him. I think he had really no awareness of that our band had that kind of connection with the fan base. You know, I think he sure, knew that the band sure, was successful, but didn't really truly grasp how much the music meant to a lot of people out there that don't have much going on in their lives, whether they're bullied mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever. Like there's so many reasons why music matters to people. And um, once it kind of dawned on him, He's like, you know, you have to you have to do more than just play music for them and do song. I mean, that's nice. But what do you want to be remembered when when you you know, when you're hanging up one day and, and, and you look back on your on your career? What do you mm-hmm. want to have accomplished? You just want to sell out, you know, shows and sell a lot of records or do you actually want to do something that will have a true um, impact on people? And that's when we started to talk about how we should try to do something with a foundation and that, that we could keep going one day if the band stops or whatever, we could still have something that stands, you know, for, you know, in, in our names and everything. And we came up with the idea of on that tour to add $1 per every ticket and to give it away for, to start the foundation. And so we did that's that. Awesome. So that's kind of how it all started. And then we made our first donation of, I think a year later or something like that. And yeah, like, like you said, since then we've we've been doing, you know, we've we've been fortunate enough to be being able to raise a lot of money and and have uh, a lot of you know be able to to help like dozens of different groups, mostly in Quebec, Montreal, and Canada. Uh, some of it like around the world as well, but we've been mostly focused on 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 home and trying to help people there. And uh, yeah, it's been one of the most. Uh, I mean the most rewarding experience for me and, and for the band. And it's, uh, it's been really special to be able to do that. And we're really proud of that. And it's still part of everything that we do. So if, when we have tours, when we headline any shows, $1 mm-hmm. goes to, uh, for the foundation. We, we have shows. We, that's how we got to do the pro-ham hockey thing. So awesome. Uh, yeah, we played there. We played for, the, for, for Simon and for, um, and for Patrice Bergeron, and they gave oh, us a, I was, like a big I was hoping you were going to say foundation. his name again. You say it, it sounds, yeah, it sounds, it sounds so beautiful. Let me teach you. <laughs> Patrice, Patrice Bergeron. That's not Patrice Bergeron. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, Patrice Bergeron. And uh, yeah, so it's been really, um, it, it's, you know, it, it's, it's been a really, really cool thing to do and really proud of it. And uh, yeah, we're going to keep going this until the band is, um, I mean, like as long as the band is is around, that's going to be part of of our DNA and and what we do, you know. It's and and I mean like that's such a such an awesome awesome thing. I mean I can't say it enough because 
Um, you know, with this kind of music, with, with alternative music and the way that you said it perfectly, the way that people connect with it is one thing, but, you know, being able to, you know, to, to give people, you know, a, a safe haven to, to kind of emote and, and connect with, with, with musicians, you know, at shows and stuff is one thing, but, you know, actually being able to, you know, to give it back, to pay it back to, you know, the, the, the fans and the people that make you guys, uh, give you guys the opportunity to, you know, to, to live the life that you do and, and do the things that you do uh, is, is really just such an important thing. So it, it, that's why I wanted to touch upon it and, uh, and talk to you about it, but it really is such a super cool thing. Uh, but uh, so we've been talking with you probably, like I said, about an, an hour, an hour, 10. Uh, one last thing I, I, I did just want to touch on with you. Um, so, you know, before the season, you know, met its untimely pausing, unfortunately, um, I mean, I know you said that you were kind of nebulous with your with your son in, in, you know, making him just just create a love for the for the game and the sport. But I mean, were you specifically uh, a Canadians fan or were you more of a Kings fan? Like, were you following one over the other? You know, like, where was your identity there? And like, who were what were you super excited about as the season kind of just came to a pause? Right. Well, I mean, it's interesting because I've obviously the Kings really tough season. Uh, definitely yeah. rebuild. So it was, it was, it was fun to go to the game and everything. But definitely, you kind of knew what was happening this year, which is okay. You know, they had like they won two cups. Uh, mm-hmm. I was there for one of them. It was incredible when they actually won the cup in the building. It was the sickest thing ever. Um, so yeah, not like the Kings was kind of like it. You know, it is what it is. Montreal always follow Montreal because love the drama in Montreal. Uh, everything is so intense and so magnified. It's a uh, you you have to read the paper every day because they come up with the craziest controversies <laughs> and everything. So I, I definitely follow Canadians. Like it's probably the team I follow the closest. But it's interesting because yeah. I have a little bit of a a love hate relationship with with the Canadians. They're obviously my childhood team. But then one of my I became okay. So this is another. Sorry, we're gonna go into one more story because it's pretty good. No, that's one. okay. Um, Please. So I became really good friend with uh, randomly. Um, one day we get this email from. Uh, from Jose Theodore's uh, agent saying like, hey, uh, Jose is a big fan of your band. He would love to play uh, with you at your show. So that was during the lockout. So I want to say 2004. Um, So so like, okay, cool. So I obviously we were because I I was really into hockey. And then the moment that I started playing music, I stopped playing hockey. Like from from one day to the other. It was like obsessed with hockey and then had a bad season, didn't like my coach, just hung up the skates at 13 and just become became like drummer. And that's all I cared okay. about was completely mm-hmm. went from hockey obsessed to music and drum obsessed. Right. So sure. completely lost track of hockey and kind of like didn't really pay attention that much anymore, just cared about music. And then like fast forward to 2004, the band is doing really well in Montreal. And at the time, Jose was like the David Beckham of Montreal, right? I mean, he mm-hmm. was just like, he was like the biggest star. He was yeah, the, on guy, top yeah, of the world. Yeah, for sure, of course. He got that, that he had the, he, he won the Vezina, he won the Con Smite. I mean, it was just crazy. So the fact that he would reach out to us was like, holy shit, like, even though I don't really care about hockey that much anymore, uh, this is a big deal. Like, of course we should. And so we said yes. So then we, we fly to Montreal for the show. We land that morning mm-hmm. and we see the newspaper sorry long story but it's pretty good so anyway no, we see the newspaper and there's a sh- huge 
gigantic photo of Jose Theodore on the cover with a guitar. And he's like, Jose is going to play tonight because it was the lockout, right? With And then it's <laughs> super small, like very, very with simple plan. <laughs> oh, we were like, oh my God, like we, we, we never met the guy. So everybody's like, and this is like our big album release party. Like it's a big deal. And, you yeah. know, we're kind of like hoping we're going to get a lot of press out of it. And then like, basically it's all Jose everywhere. But we, we got to hang out and he got to, he came on stage and we played a cover of Bad Religion. Um, we played, uh, I think, we, uh, American Jesus with okay. him on stage. It was amazing. You know, like really good guitar player. Uh, you know, he can play. So then we exchanged numbers and it was like, OK, we should keep in touch. And then he went on to play in Sweden. So when we went to Sweden, he came to the show. He brought like Joe Thornton to see us and hang out and a bunch of other guys. Uh, so it was kind of wild to like have, you know, to reconnect. And then we became really, really good friends. Like we became actually when, you know, he wasn't my wedding. He was like, uh, you know, so it was oh, kind of wow. like, That's awesome. yeah, so we became, so we became really, really good friends. But then when he, he had a really, the last season in Montreal was really tough and he got traded and he came back and the crowd turned on him and it was, so it made me really sour on my hometown team. To the point where, for many years, I rooted for them to lose. I was so happy when they didn't do well. I was like, I wanted them to be crushed every night. And it was because it really kind of upset me to see my, you know, my friend being treated like yeah. that and everything. Sure. And now that I have a son, I'm trying to get back into loving them because I want him to feel that connection to, to yeah. Montreal because we don't live there. And, you know, so I want him to feel, you know, special about the place. So... It's only been a few years where I'm actually like now actually I'm still like ambivalent. I don't mind when they miss the playoffs because it's fun because there's more drama. Yeah. But like I now I kind of want them. I'm I'm because I want my son to like them. I'm always the one saying, okay, I'll be the Canadians then when we play. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like <laughs> yeah, now yeah. I'm getting back into them. So I always follow them, but it's still a bit weird. It's not like I'm uh, like most Montreal fans like die hard. Like if they lose, I, I don't care about hockey anymore. It's really not like that. So anyway, so that's uh, that's the story about the Canadians there. So I, I follow them. I think it's the most interesting team in the league in terms of the drama and the media and everything. Like everything mm -hmm. is like if one Fort Liner doesn't play one game, it's the end of the world there. It's 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 crazy how people are so interested and so obsessed, you know. Um, but um, yeah, I just follow. I mean, to answer your question, I was interested in to see if the Caps could win. I think they're doing so well this year, and I love Ovi. Like he's, sure. you know, a main backstrom, such an underrated player. Like just to watch him play and everything. So those guys were super interesting to me. Um, I thought that uh, Boston was, I mean, because of Bergeron, like we became good friends yeah. as well. So that was cool. Um, yeah, like I kind of follow teams that I have people that I know that play there. So Vlasic and San Jose is a good friend of mine. So I follow the Sharks, but this year that was a tough one. I really thought yeah. they were going to have a good run when they got Carlson, but then, you know, that didn't materialize this year. It was a yeah. tough year. And same thing with the Golden Knights. We actually got to, that was amazing. I got to bring my kid about three weeks ago, four weeks ago. We went to Vegas to see the Golden Knights. And I got to bring my, uh, my son to see a game. And man, have you guys been to a game there? Not Holy yet. Shit. Oh, That's on a bucket list. It's wild. It's like, I've never seen, like, I've never seen such a loud building. And I and I've been to Montreal games. Like I mean, it's uh, it's insane. It's not necessarily the crowd that's that loud. It's just it's like you're in a club. It's out of control. But it's really well done. And 
So that was really cool. So I was curious to see if those guys, after firing that coach, like, I don't understand why they fired that coach. He was, they were in, right in the hunt. So I, I was very curious to see how they were going to do in the playoffs. So, yeah, man, I don't know. Like, I, I, I like to follow all the narratives. So I don't really have an answer for you. Like, for me, it's everything's interesting. I love the business side of hockey. Like, you know, like the, the, the trades and, and like now that the whole cap, the whole cap situation is so interesting how teams manage that. So I think there's so many storylines that are interesting. And, um, yeah, so I kind of have a, like a really global view of everything. I don't just stick to one team, you know, which I know it's weird. And it's kind of, uh, unusual, but that's my, that's my, my way of looking at it, you know? Sure. I mean, Hey, listen, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, you know, like I said, just having a, having a love for the game is, is something that is super important and, you know, just getting to watch players develop, you know, and, and as they, you know, go through and, and they kind of, you know, fit their schemes. And as they, uh, you know, as the season, you know, progresses as it goes. And like I said, hopefully we'll, we'll get hockey back at some point, but, uh, I, I, I can totally understand that. So, uh, um, and then the so Oilers, I, I, man, yeah. the Oilers and the Leafs, like, are they going to make it, you know, like, is, is it McDavid's time? Like, is he going to go? I mean, that's interesting too, man. That's crazy. So anyway, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Well, as Islander fans, we hope that the Leafs never make the playoffs again. So <laughs> <laughs> I know. Are you guys the guys that are wearing like the like the Tavares shirt and like Trader in the back and like it's <laughs> No, we're not like no. that. Okay, no. good. Good, good. <laughs> Cuz that's no, crazy. It, it is it is, man. And and you know, it's funny that we we uh we were just talking about it. I mean, like uh on uh, uh Johnny just announced something on Twitter essentially, you know, cuz he was Long Island was his home for so long, you know, he just said, "Hey, you know, essentially like, you know, we hope everyone in New York is being safe and and all this stuff, you know, and and of course, a bunch of nasty Islander fans are like, oh, we hope you get the virus, man. Like, you know, like oh, just that kind of like negative, negative bullshit. But, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, I, I, I get the the vitriol against them, you know, professionally, I, I understand it. But like all of this, like really deep rooted, like anger and hatred that some people have for him. It's just there's no place for it. I mean, it's at the end but, of the day. It's but, just, but, but there's the no game, place you know? for, for any player because. Like, you have to look at it this way, right? In the 50s and 60s, all the best players mm-hmm. were not making any money, right? Yeah. It was all in the owners. And, yep. and then finally, the, the players were able to wrestle back some control of their destiny. And I mean, because I, I read actually a book about how free agency came to be in sports. And, um, and you have, people don't realize, now they think that all the athletes are, you know, spoiled brats that are making way too much money compared to, and they always compare it to like, well, a doctor's making this much and like, or whatever, like all these things are, you know, they, they should never make this much, but you have to stop yourself as in, cause we're kind of like, we fall into the same category in some ways. We're like entertainers, you know, if you want to, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. we have like a job that's, that's somewhat, somewhat similar, obviously not the same, yes. but there's very little number of people that make it. It's probably like 0.001% that can have like a true, you know, like a true career that lasts more than a few years. And, where you can actually do this for a living. It's very rare. So same thing with hockey players. And theirs are even shorter because there's a physical limitation. At 35, 36, unless you're a Jagger or some, you know, some prodigy that's able to play yeah. longer, you're done. So there's only there's a very there's there's a very small amount of years where you can earn money. And you, and the first few years, your they're like the your value is not is not reflected in your wages. Like even if you're a great player, you're you're controlled down, like your salary yeah. doesn't reflect 
your talent. So there's only such a small window to make money. And I know what it looks like. Okay, 7 million, 6 million, 8 million. But think about it from this way. Like, why would the money go in the pocket of one owner or a few owners when really the true reason why people show up is not because of the rank or it's not because of, uh, you know, like the like the whole concession stands or the logo. I mean, they people show up because of the talent of the athletes. You know, that's what Absolutely. makes it interesting. So at some point, it's the people, the, the athletes should have the right to earn a salary that, that reflects the revenues that come in. If you're willing as a season ticket holder to pay $125 for a ticket or whatever it is in your market, but a high level of like a, like a high like a high amount of money to go see game yeah. and you're willing to spend money on jerseys and all that stuff. Well, you're, you're there. There's the money's there. Why would, why would they not get their fair share? And why would they not get a choice? They, they can get traded. Like it's, I mean, you have to really like, think about this. Like you could wake up one day, you get a text message. Like you have to pick up your stuff and you're gone. You need yeah. to take your wife and your kid out of school and you need to go to a whole new city. Crazy. Yep, Nobody lives I like agree that. With you. And, mm-hmm. and, and the fact that people, once they finally earn the right after seven, eight years, whatever it is, or six years of, they can finally choose where they want to play and do their thing. It's like, and, and, and I get it. It's hard for the fan that is, you know, is, has been supporting the team and all that and to see when the best star go. But there is something, if you flip it and it's, it, imagine it's your son. That yeah. all the sacrifices you made for your son, all the sacrifices that he made in his life, like, you know, having to leave the home at 16, 17 to play for a junior team and like f- focusing every, every day of his life, he played hockey in practice and of he course. missed all these dates and all these things. Right. And then yep. like, he finally is able to earn it and you can decide like, I want to play with these players. I want to play in this city because for whatever reason, that's where I'm from. Like, yeah, man, cut the guy a break. Yeah, I, I, I think that's the, that's the tough thing because I think, like, uh, there are so many hockey fans that just don't see that perspective of it. And, and I mean, and, and it's a shame because that is that's 100% the truth. It's just, like, you, you scratch and claw, you know, you leave your house when you're, you know, 15, 16, you know, to go play juniors and, you know, live in, like, you know, somebody's, you know, house in a bedroom you know, and you've essentially got to grow up, you know, at the, at, you know, at the snap of a finger, and then you get the opportunity to make some money. And you and, got and no you get guarantee. An... Exactly. You no guarantee. Yeah. Like you can go there and let's say there's 24 guys on your team or whatever it is, mm-hmm. 23 won't make it or 22 yeah. won't make it. You, you're trying to be the one or two that will make it. Absolutely. You know, the and odds are not in your favor. No, you're absolutely right. And, and that, and that's the, you know, and I think that's the, the reverence that we should you know, kind of have for, for, for players in this position. And I think sometimes you lose sight of it, which is a shame, but um, you know, like I said, for, for all, for what it's worth, you know, the, the, the Tavares hate and stuff, I, I think it's just, it just goes far, far, far too over, over the top. But uh, you know, I could say safely that, you know, I, I'm not one of those guys that, that would ever wish anyone ill will, but, <laughs> but you know, that, that's what it is. But um, at any rate, um, you know, it's just uh we, we, you know, we press on and we're, we're really, um, we're really very fortunate to, to have had you on the, on the, the podcast here. And 
and uh, just getting to know you a little bit and know your connection to hockey and uh, learn a little bit about uh, about your son and, and, and your, you know, your passion for, for playing music was it was super awesome. Uh, you know, really would love to uh, you know, have you on again. Uh, hopefully, maybe when the season pit backs up, maybe when, you know, the, the playoffs are, uh, are are in full swing, if they're going to be and, you know, maybe kind of kind of get some more insight from you, because, uh, like I said, it's been really a blast uh, chatting with you. Um, you know, Mikey, do you have uh, you know anything you want to add real quick? No, I'm just looking at this Pierre Turgeon paperweight, and I'm like, man, I would love to hear Chuck say Pierre Turgeon. Pierre Turgeon. <laughs> there we That's go. That's how you say it. You're, ne- you're never, you're never gonna get there, Mikey. You're just, just not gonna happen. <laughs> Mario Lemieux. Whoa! Right? Not Lemieux. Lemieux. Look at that. This, this is. Beautiful. <laughs> I got more for you if you want. But look, <laughs> thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And I'm sorry, uh, you know, I probably rambled a little too long, but I'm very passionate about hockey. So no, if listen. you want to make some edits, please go ahead. It's all good. <laughs> Hell but no! This is beautiful. No, no, no. Yeah, this was an awesome, awesome conversation, man. And maybe who knows? Maybe uh, sometime coming up in the future, we'll just have you on specifically just to say hockey players' names correctly. And uh, you know, maybe we'll 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 just run with that. <laughs> Fantastic! I would love to. Thanks. Thank Absolutely, you guys. Man. Hey, yeah, our pleasure, man. And uh, you, you be, uh, you be well, be safe. And uh, thanks for having us, man. Thanks, world. Thanks for being with us. That's what I should say. <laughs> you know it. Thank you, guys. Cheers. All thanks. right. See you, yep. Chuck. All the best okay. out there. Be safe. Thanks, you too. Tommy V, what a special interview. Chuck from Simple Plan, absolute man rocket. <laughs> Did you just call him a man rocket? Isn't that what people say these days? Man rocket? I have no idea what that means, but I'm going to start calling everyone man rockets from now on. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be honest. I think you just like... I think you're even more in love with him uh, just because of the way he pronounces hockey players' names. Um, so I know, that I mean, needs to I be like an, an ongoing segment is just having <laughs> Chuck pronounce French Canadians' last names. <laughs> I mean, he and it, it, it's funny because he's right because like the way we like Americanize like all of these like great hockey players' names is just like kind of crazy. But um, I don't know, man. Uh, I think it's super cool, though. I mean, he's such a genuine guy. I mean, he's been playing music for so long. I mean, whether it was being a part of Reset in, like, the mid-'90s and then obviously Simple Plan for the past 20 years. I mean, he's so down-to-earth. Um, I just loved, uh, you know, listening to him, you know, talk about his his son and, you know, how much he, he enjoys sharing, you know, the legacy of the game with his son and how he's, you know, teaching him to play and teaching him to love 
you know, the, the sport, it was just really super cool. And, um, you kind of forget sometimes that like, you know, when you're in a band like that. And I mean, even though they've gotten to take a little bit of time off here and there, I mean, when you're always on the road and stuff, like having a family is such a tough thing to do. And he seems like such a, such a great dad. So, you know, all the, all the kudos in the world to, to him. He's super cool. And I just love when fathers pass on the game of hockey to their sons. Unfortunately, my dad did not do that to me. I had to <laughs> develop that love on my own. But, you know, I'm sure that Chuck's son will remember this the rest of his life and how his dad, you know, showed him the ropes and, and introduced mm-hmm. him to the sport that we all love. Absolutely. And that story about, um, you know, him uh, serendipitously meeting uh, Jamie Benn at, uh, at, at that restaurant and then, you know, having them come to the gig and, you know, the, uh, you know, having the state champs guys just like be in awe that, you know, the Ben brothers were, were there at the show and hanging out. It's just, uh, you know, like I said, and I've said it many times, it's just super cool because like, you know, the, the reverence that we have for musicians, it's the, like the same, you know, the same level of respect that these musicians, you know, no matter what their status in life is, have for, for these hockey players as well. So it's super cool to, to see how that um, how that works out, you know. Dude, it just reminded me so much of my uh, experience where I met Scott Gomez out in Nashville. Yeah, I remember that story. Then, yeah, like, that's a good one. Gomer just left family passes for us. And yeah. it just goes to show like how awesome hockey players are. And like even though they don't necessarily, most of them don't necessarily like our genre of music, yeah. um, you could still just appreciate how like salt of the earth they are. And like, they're just awesome people. So I, I still have yet to meet a, a hockey player that wasn't a down-to-earth, awesome person. Oh, absolutely, man. And, you know, a lot of these guys, like I said, they're, uh, you know, they come from a, a very, you know, kind of standard breed of person where, like, you know, a lot of these guys have uh, have done nothing, you know, since they're little than, you know, hold a stick and skate and and play and, you know, have just dreamt of, you know, eventually getting into the NHL and, and winning the cup. So I think there's a lot of humility uh, in a lot of hockey players. You know, there's some that are a little, you know, a little have that star power kind of feel a little bit, but I think it's nothing compared to, you know, the other three major sports in that a lot of these guys are, uh, are definitely kind of down to earth, but, um, <clears throat> but, you know, it just goes to show you, I mean, like, you know, that, that down to earth mentality, I mean, like, you know, talking to to Chuck, I mean, that whole time, like you, you would never imagine that, like, you're talking to someone who's, you know, I mean, you know, no, no pads, no helmets. I mean, that record sold like 2 million copies, you know I mean? Like that's a, that's huge. That's like a huge thing, you know? And, and, but talking to him, you know, you never get that air of any kind of, um, you know, uppityness or anything, which is why it's just so awesome to, to do this show, uh, because you really get to, to meet people that have a love for this and a love for what they do professionally. Uh, it's such, such an awesome thing, man. Couldn't agree more. You know, just a solid, solid guest and hearing all those stories <clears throat> was just so much fun. And um yeah. I guess we can wrap it up at that. Um, you know, still keeping the content rolling. We got our, our new website at www.bardownbreakdown.com. Thanks to my beautiful wife for helping me get that set up because I know literally nothing about website design or <laughs> coding or embedding stuff. So like the fact that we have a website that like 
doesn't have a million broken links is just awesome. A super awesome thing, yep, for sure. Yep. But, uh, you know, as always, um, you know, you can uh, follow us on social media. Uh, we're at Instagram at Bar Down Breakdown, Twitter at BDBD Podcast. You can get uh, Mikey on Twitter at Isles Meetups. Get me at Thomas underscore Vicario. And, you know, uh, you can listen to the show wherever you want to listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, um, Anchor, uh, Stitcher. I mean, like there's just uh, Overcast. It's such, such an enormous uh, amount of ways. And uh, as always, just don't forget to interact with us by, you know, commenting, uh, whether it's on our uh, Twitter or, or, or anything like that, uh, you know, just to give us some feedback on how you think we're doing, how the shows are, the content you like, and, you know, any special guests you might want to see. And uh, lastly, as we always ask you to do, just subscribe, share, uh, and give us love however you see fit. Uh, you know, we wouldn't be able to do this without you guys listening, and we're really eternally grateful for it. So uh, uh, having said that, Mikey. Um, All right, Tom. What do, you, what, what do you think? You, you nailed it, man. So I will Dude, let I'm, you go. I'm, get, and, I'm nailing this. I love it. Yeah, you're a pro. It's like you've, <laughs> it's like you've done 43 episodes or something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Well... It's been a pleasure. Peace be with you, dude. And also to you.